dance number 10. Coming up. How's everybody doing? Nelson Montana here for Protein Factory, and we have a new podcast for you. And we're going to be talking about a few different things, some of the uh, topics that we uh, discussed on TikTok. By the way, if you're not familiar with the TikTok series, you go to Nelson Montana 5-3, and there is a daily bodybuilding tip every day on TikTok. And uh, speaking of that, I'd like to pick up on a topic that I had discussed last week regarding how much protein you actually need to build muscle. This has been an ongoing controversy. And I'd like to just simplify it uh, in a way that everybody can apply some rational use as to how to take in enough protein to build sufficient muscle. Now, the minimum daily requirement is 75 grams. That's just for everybody. For the 80-year-old woman, she needs 75 grams of protein. That's what you need to just repair. Protein repairs all the cells of your body, and you need to take that much in. And it's funny how a lot of people don't even get that much. You could be eating a seemingly healthy diet and not get 75 grams of protein. So right there, there's a big deficiency in the way people eat and nourish themselves. You know, foods like oatmeal and veggies and salads, they don't have protein. So you must get the protein. Now, for the average athlete or anybody who's active, I like to get between 150, 200 grams a day. That, I think, is a a reasonable amount. And even that is difficult to get from just food. Not to mention that 200 grams of protein, it's a lot of calories. If you're getting that from meat or any source that has protein, you tend to be eating quite a bit which is why protein supplementation is uh, the most efficient way to take care of this. uh, If you take a protein powder in a shake form, you're getting very few carbs, very uh, very little fat. You're getting mostly protein. So you're getting that muscle-building protein without all the excess calories. Now, I had mentioned on the TikTok video that back in the olden days, when bodybuilders wanted to build mass, The equation was to get two grams of protein for every pound of body weight. So if you weigh 175 pounds, that is 350 grams of protein. Now that's quite a bit, but believe me, if you take in 350 grams of protein every day, you're going to grow. You'll get bigger. You're going to put on size. If that's the goal, if you really want to get bigger, then you follow that and you'll achieve your goal. And and this is the thing. I see so many guys, they're on these message boards. They want to know what steroid is going to help them bulk up. The greatest bulker is more food and especially protein. And it's funny. um, If you don't know who Larry Scott is, check him out. He was the first Mr. Olympia. And, you know, back in those days, those guys didn't use a lot of drugs. They, Dynaball was just pretty much hit the market and they take maybe you know, two, three pills a day. And that was, that was their cycle, you know, a couple of weeks before contest just to get a little, uh, a little extra. And um, Larry said that the best thing he found about Dynaball was that it increased his appetite. By increasing his appetite, he took in more protein. And that really is what helped put on the size. And remember, even steroids can't work optimally without protein. 
that that's how steroids work. They increase the value of protein. They recirculate the protein so your muscles just get more of it. Steroids don't build muscle out of nothing. It still needs that catalyst. So whether you're natural or whether you're enhanced, you've got to take in enough protein. It is the the biggest mistake people make is they do all these things. They train right. They train hard, and they you know watch their diet and they're taking these cycles and they're taking all the uh, nutrients to protect themselves while on cycles, and then they don't eat enough protein. Whereas if they just ate more protein, they'd get comparable results. Now there are lots of protein powders that work very well and um, have certain qualities that make them preferable for one reason or another. Uh, I, I like egg. I like whole egg. I like whey. Milk protein, casein, is very good because it's very slow digesting. It's good for um, actually before bed because it has a very slow release. But my favorite, my two favorite, the first one is ion exchanged whey isolate. It's more of a whole food protein. And by that I mean it's made from milk, not cheese like a lot of other ways. Essentially, it, it, the protein is isolated, hence the name. So you're, you're, you're removing all the lactose, you're removing the fat. I mean, there's a teeny, teeny, tiny bit left, but ion exchange protein is a whole food form of protein, and you can, you can practically live on that stuff. So that is one thing I really recommend. And the other I like is, and I think it's going to be available at Protein Factory pretty soon, is the BioSerum. And that's another league. That is outstanding as a protein supplement. By that I mean, if you use the bio, uh, the bio serum as a supplement to your natural diet, the bio serum almost works almost works like injectable aminos. That's another thing the um, some of the old timers did. It isn't talked about too often, but guys would have free form amino acids direct injected directly into the bloodstream. I'm not recommending that anybody do that. But the way bio uh, serum works is it's made from plasma. So the body instantly recognizes it. It goes right into the bloodstream as pure protein. And I have to say, I have used that when I was training for the um, NPC uh, competition. This is going back a few years. I used the bio serum and I really noticed a dramatic change. The, just more fullness, more hardness to the muscles without having to take in so many calories or have to take in so much protein food. I would have a couple of those uh, shakes with bio serum and uh, the protein needs were fulfilled. So uh, check that out. And uh, again, just go to the site, the Protein Factory site, you're already on it. And look around, see what you like. All excellent products. Okay. Now, I mentioned Larry Scott. I wanted to get a little bit into uh, some bodybuilding history for those who might be interested in that. Um, it, it's funny how so much of the history of this sport is unknown to a lot of people. And uh, I, this is a, an area I could really sink my teeth into going way back to the turn of the, uh, the 20th century. But I, I will say this. I, I'll talk a little bit about this because this is a bit more contemporary. Bodybuilding could essentially be broken down into two stages, before pumping iron and after pumping iron. I mean, that is really what made the big difference in our society and how bodybuilding is perceived. I mean, today going to the gym is just it's something everybody does. But prior to pumping iron, that was not the case. That was, um, it was sort of this underground sport, a strange activity. What are these people, 
lifting weights for, and they look all weird. And and I remember hearing a story from uh, Joseph E. Levine. Joseph E. Levine was a big movie producer back in um, oh, 40s and 50s and 60s, I'd say. And he produced major films. And someone had told him about this little Italian movie called Hercules, starring Steve Reeves. And he saw it, and he thought it was pretty bad, <laughs> but he said he saw something. He knew that there would be something people liked, and it turned out to be a big hit. So Lester Stallone tells a story of when he, he was in film school that he watched Citizen Kane, and he said, I knew it was a great movie, but it didn't hit me in the gut. And then on The Late Late Show was Hercules Unchained, and I knew it wasn't a great movie, but it hit me in the gut. See, that's the thing. That, so the muscular hero always had this visceral appeal. And Steve Reeves was that guy. He, was, he had an amazing body, absolutely perfect aesthetics. He was very good looking. So he was a star. But Steve Reeves did not really promote the sport of bodybuilding. He just wasn't that type of person. Whereas Arnold Schwarzenegger, it was all about promotion and promoting himself. And he knew that bodybuilding was the way to do that. And he wound up being a great statesman, a great representative for the sport. And that just changed absolutely everything. Changed everything. And a little history about pumping iron is that when it was originally being filmed, Arnold had already retired. And Joe Weider was glad of that because he felt that Arnold always winning the Olympia was getting stale. And they thought that maybe they'd have Arnold training somebody to go up against Lou Ferrigno, who was going to be the new big bad villain. And Arnold was watching the filming, and he felt that it just wasn't working. The whole thing just really wasn't happening. And Lou Ferrigno, as big as he was, as intimidating as he was physically, did not have the personality to be very threatening. That's when Arnold decided that he would be the bad guy. He'd come back to defend his title, and he'd play the heavy. It was absolutely brilliant. And all the stories he tells about not going to his father's funeral, it, it, was, it was all baloney. It, just, it was the stuff he made up so he could be the badass. But yet he had that charm about him. So it all came together. But there's an interesting um, outtake clip that I saw that... Uh, kind of told a little bit more of the story in that Arnold went into Joe Weider's office and asked about Lou Ferrigno. He didn't really know about him. He saw pictures. He saw that he looked good. And he said to Joe Weider, well, what's the deal with this guy? And Weider told him, you know, he, with that voice, he's big, Arnold. He, he's massive. And you can tell that Arnold was a little worried. He thought that if he was to do this, he might lose. And he didn't want to go out on a low note, which is another reason why he played up that arrogance. And it certainly worked for him, and millions of people related to it, because if there's one thing Americans especially like, they like a winner. And Arnold's a winner. And that also comes from a lot of the teachings that went hand-in-hand hand with bodybuilding. Back in the 50s and 60s, Bodybuilding was being sold as something very manly. If you look at those early Joe Weider courses, he had courses on speaking confidently, having a strong personality, leadership qualities. These are things that Arnold actually believed, and he followed them. And as you know, the rest was history.
I think we could use a little more of that today. I think there are too many people that think of bodybuilding today. I hear all these people saying, like, bodybuilding is a healthy sport. Yes, it is. It's the healthiest sport. I believe that bodybuilding, it, it's the fountain of youth. It can extend your lifespan. It can extend the quality of your life. Yeah, and that's another thing about the old magazines. I, I, I'm kind of a bit of a historian with that stuff, and I have magazines going back to the 20s. And if you look at magazines from even just the 60s, there's, I remember seeing this one picture of the, this guy lifting a barbell that was probably about 50 pounds, and they said, look at so-and-so. He's 40 years old. <laughs> As if to say, like, he's an old guy, and he's lifting weights. Good for you, Grandpa. Um, and today, that's a joke. You've got Mr. Olympia winners who are 40 years old. Today, 40 isn't old, and a major reason for that is today people do weight training exercise. If you're 30 years old, you don't remember a time when people just never exercised. I mean, never. A day in their life. And today, any healthy individual goes to the gym a couple of times a week. And if you devote yourself to bodybuilding, if you're a bit of a fanatic like I am, I'm sure a lot of you are, then you are so ahead of the game. So don't think in terms of bodybuilding as just being you know, these, these lunkheads who compete at 300 pounds, yeah, that's, not, that's a different thing. That's just a bodybuilding freak show. That's not real bodybuilding. That was one of the reasons I went on this rant about uh, Tremolone. This is a drug designed for cattle. It was meant to make cattle grow so there'd be more food. But the meat that it produced was tough because they grew muscle but burned fat. And obviously that was a big attraction to bodybuilders. But Tren is a horribly toxic drug. It was made uh, for human use uh, for a short time under the name Parabolin in Europe and then quickly discontinued. I mean, some of the side effects of Tremolin is night sweats, anxiety, cough, shortness of breath. That's not healthy. And anybody who does Tremolin is not a bodybuilder as far as I'm concerned. You're doing Tremolin to look good for a short amount of time. Yes, you will burn very fat very quickly. It does build muscle quickly, quicker than all other steroids. But I believe that other steroids, such as Primabol and, and testosterone, can be health enhancing in moderate amounts. If used judiciously, it can actually make you healthier if you don't overdo it. But Trembolin, no way. That is health damaging. And then, of course, a lot of people, they don't want to hear that. They want to do what they want to do. And they'll say things like, oh, it's just, just take a little bit. A little bit isn't that bad. I don't care if it's not that bad. It's still bad. So I guess I'm saying that a lot of people have to take into consideration what is actually bodybuilding. To me, it's building a better body. And taking a drug to just look better for a short amount of time is not building your body. So I'm trying to be as uh, objective as possible. I, I see different points of view. I'm not one of these guys that, oh, you know, just do it my way or do it the old way. No, there, there are lots of things that are fascinating. There are lots of new methods and lots of new compounds that can be beneficial. I've spoken about peptides and bubervagonists and SARMs and, and lots of things that have come along that are very interesting, some better than others. And this is why, this is why we're here. We, we tr we're trying to find out what gives the best benefit-to-risk ratio. You could say that almost everything has a risk. I mean, even, even training involves a certain amount of risk, but you want to lessen that risk and get the most benefit. And if you do that right, 
you can get some amazingly impressive results and have an extraordinarily better life. I honestly do believe that. And I think I'm, I'm walking proof of that. If I had a crystal ball 40 years ago and somebody could tell me what I'd be doing with my life at the age of 67, I'd, I'd think that was just crazy. I was no way in the world. No way can somebody look like that at 67. No way can people be doing something like that at 67. But that's th the thinking was back then. Things have changed and they're getting better. And I want to stick around to see where else it's going. And if you do too, play it smart. Stay away from the drugs that will hurt you. And as far as anything else that might be of benefit, do your research and find ways where you can get this magnificent machine that we have, this one machine we have for the, our entire life. Find out how it will serve you better. And one way of doing that is, hey, just check these podcasts every week. That's a part of it. Do your reading, do your research, and you'll be surprised how much you can do to benefit yourself. Okay, now uh, one other thing is a little training tip. This is regarding chest training. Now, I had always heard that you should avoid training your lower pecs. The reason is you don't want low droopy pecs. You don't want them to be hanging. And for that reason, a lot of people avoid doing any kind of decline movements. But I have found that the opposite is true. I find that by concentrating, and people want a high chest, they want a high full chest, so they tend to do a lot of, you know, incline bench presses. But I found that by working the lower chest, you actually get that nice sort of sweep, that sort of gladiator <laughs> chest, and you have the, uh, the pec delt tie-in. Very often guys who train too much upper chest, they have that little section between the, uh, the delt and the pec that, that just sort of looks weak and soft. And I find that lower um, pec training just fills that in nicely, and, and that in turn lifts the chest. So I would suggest try um, a chest routine that is just decline bench presses and dips. Just those two movements. That will really emphasize the lower pecs. And see how that works for you. It's not going to give you droopy low pecs. I think that um, it'll really provide a nice fullness and um, actually tighten up the entire pec area. Okay, that just about does it for me this time out. Um, I just want to remind everybody to check out the Protein Factory site. Lots of great stuff on there. And you could download my book, The Bodybuilding Truth, Secrets You're Not Supposed to Know, for free. Absolutely free. And they also carry Unleashed, the only supplement that increases free testosterone without suppression. So there you have it. Until next time, I'm Nelson Montana. See you at the gym.